You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning good morning everyone good morning people in discord and on zoom and in Clubhouse today, I think, is uh, the last day that we're going to be in Clubhouse. We are going to be focusing, starting next week, just on two outlets. Zoom for, uh, you know, the less techie or just maybe a wider audience. Maybe it's got nothing to do with tech at all. Um, and Discord. That link above, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective. That is how you join our Discord you can listen live in our Discord. I love the Discord because we can chat, we can upload photos. It's um, it gives it it's a it gives a lot more dimension because not only is it a great audio channel or can be there are tech issues at the best of times, but as I said, you can actually have a side conversation, um, almost like a back channel, uh, etc. So if you are in Clubhouse today and you want to continue. Um, just remember, we're here every day, Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We do kind of manifestation Mondays, Thought Leadership Tuesdays, Wellness Wednesdays, doing this amazing live book read uh, of a book called Happier on Thursday. Obviously, we change that. And then on Friday, 
we call it No Agenda Friday. It's kind of open mic. Um, so it's an opportunity for our regulars in particular, if they want to raise their hands, if they've got a topic that they want to talk about or something they want me to talk about, a question, a comment, pushback, um, karaoke. Uh, it's just an opportunity really to to feel like, um, you know, that you can also have the stage. You know, one of the things clubhouses, I think, really struggled on, unfortunately. I mean, I feel bad for them and I feel kind of sad for them. Um, because they just don't have the um, they don't have the marketing um, chops or the strategic uh, clout. Um, you know the the challenge so much. Uh, this really does come down to in so many respects. It comes down to understanding how businesses uh, grow. You know my capacity now as a coach for EOS. I mean I see it now. I just had a a session with a family owned and family run business, a mother, a son, a daughter. Um and um and that has its own dynamic. And then you have the dynamic dynamic of a startup. You know, you have the dynamic of a startup where the founder is either a marketing person or the founder is an engineer or the founder is a coder or developer. And what really happens is that you know you come in with this almost this vertical and a horizontal, if you will, right? You are a founder of a company, with an owner, which makes you something, but then you also have your vertical. You have your superpower, your your um, subject matter expertise. Maybe that, that subject matter expertise could be um, being a founder. You know, there are some people that are, um, that are founders, um, you know, that, that their superpower is being a generalist in many instances. And that's okay. That's good. That's fine as well. It would be great, you know, to be a serial entrepreneur. You 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 know, what does it mean to be a serial entrepreneur? It means that you are you have a superpower. Your your super your superpower is that you are a serial entrepreneur. But as I said, everyone has certain um subject matter uh, expertises. I just muted you for a second there, Chris, uh in Discord. He's just come up as well. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know them, but I imagine that when it comes to starting a business, you know, someone like a Paul is maybe really good at fundraising or maybe uh, good at creating products. But in terms of being customer-centric or in terms of being, you know, really understanding where the puck is heading, um, that's where you need a thought leader. That's where you need, honestly, someone like myself um, that has a track record of being able to predict where things are going. And I've said this many times and I'll say it again. You know, the first interactive television, FaceTime, if you will, was actually invented and and introduced in 1955 by AT&T. And it bombed. It bombed. Why did it bomb? For the most simplest reason, that people didn't want to see each other early in the morning. You know, when when you're, imagine the 50s and 60s, you know, at the time, you know, you think of, um, a woman at home in the morning with her hair in rollers, you know, or maybe a mask on her face. You know, obviously I'm, you know, kind of period, you know, like a snapshot back in time. You don't want to be seen. Some people got morning face. Some people just don't have, don't have, you know, don't want to be seen. And in other cases, look, if you're running or walking the dog or getting the kids ready for school or on the train, why would you want to see or be seen? You know, I'm in... um I'm in Zoom right now, and so is so is Paul. We can see each other if we want to. We can we can. He can't start video at the moment because I've taken all controls off. 
Um, but I'm going to allow him if he wants to. So I'm going to say, um, can I do that? Ask to unmute. So you can you can unmute if you want, Paul. Um, and, um, you know, so, but, but the thing is, this is an audio product. So anyway, uh, I'm going to focus as early as next week, Monday, on uh, Discord and Zoom. Occasionally, we will play with video. I'm happy for you to see what I look like or, or, or almost kind of like see me doing the show. It's not much to see, just sitting in front of a laptop. Um, but that's going to be next week. And I think at the end of the day, you know, w- what is the first insight? What is the first insight if there's any insight today? Um, and then we'll go over to Chris and see what he wants to say. And, uh, and, uh, and Paul... Uh, Praxim, uh, I'm going to allow you to unmute yourself. Um, Good because, morning. Yeah, because it's just I actually um, I actually thought maybe that you would be able to do that before, but uh, I guess I had to do it in security. Um, so we're going to have to play around with this because obviously we don't want to get zoom bombed, um, etc. But Paul, I'm going to unmute you. Uh, Chris, I'm going to unmute you too, and then Chris, you go first, and then Paul, you go second. Um, but as I said, you know. The first insight here is when you are running a company or starting a company or even part of a company, part of a team, recognize what your superpower is and also have the, the self-awareness, the humility, and the ability to recognize wh- where you are deficient, where you need help, where you need to round out your team. Because successful businesses and ventures will be successful when they are the Avengers, when they are the Justice League of America. Round out those superpowers. Find your lattice or your matrix of horizontal and vertical. The right mix or the right combination for you, for your business. And so in many respects, you know, I'm not, I'm not judgmental. I'm not complaining. You know, I'm kind of just, I just feel bad and I feel sad. Um, for um, so many missteps that ultimately weren't able to be undone, maybe because of ego or maybe just because of pride. Um, but I'm not going away. I'll come back if I have to come back. You know, um, you know, Christopher, Bez, um, total regulars, uh, Praxim, total regular, new people like Jomar and Chris that I can see. If you want us, discord.gg forward slash alpha collective, Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 Eastern Standard Time. And then in Zoom as well, and um, but I'm going to go over to you first, Chris, and then uh, and see what's on your mind. Let me see if I can, if you can unmute yourself, or I'll unmute you. There you go. Good morning. What's on your mind? Um, I kind of like what you brought up, man. I was, you know, obviously, you know, I've been involved in as a vice president of a construction corporation for decades now, and. And when I first met the founder of his company, he was didn't really know the nuts and bolts in the last construction week, business, but he was kind of the guy that, too, so that you could give a quarter and he'd turn it into $10 tomorrow. You know, was really good with money. And so we got together and I was the one that knew the nuts and bolts of the entire operation. But then we realized that we both struggled with other parts of the business as far as marketing and accounting and those kind of things. So, um, like you said, it's about being willing to 
realize what you do well and realize what you don't do well. And, and we did a great job of hiring some people and creating a team that, uh, you know, we're good at their certain perspectives. And then we were also really good at making them feel that they were in an open environment to where that they could grow and they could, you know, share ideas without them being shut down and that kind of thing. And, and that's what turned this company into a South Florida company to a nationwide organization. And it wasn't any one person that did it. It was, like you said, everybody using their superpowers and and feeling free to say what's on their mind and, and try to make changes and, and know that when they were talking that someone was listening and actually taking what they said, you know, into account. Totally. And, you know, as, as you were talking, like I was, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, about EOS, about how I've been training EOS and, um, and what I realized, I just had this like kind of revelation or not revelation, but more, more just like this, this reality. You know, we say this thing at EOS, which is you can't want it more than them. I can almost do an entire, maybe I'll do an entire episode uh, or, or session in the Collective Cafe, or maybe we'll discuss it now. You can't want it more than them. You can't convince someone that they have pain or, or to have pain uh, or even if they do have pain, um, you know, w- what to do with that pain. And you, you can't, you know, so that self-awareness is just absolutely vital, absolutely key. And, um, yeah, I mean, the sad thing is so many businesses are going to go out of business because they don't even get to that place. I wrote about it in Built to Suck. I spoke about, you know, the four different people. There are those who, you know, who know what they know, who don't know what they don't know, who know what they don't know, who think they know what they know. You know, there are all these different people. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what actually happens is, you know, there are winners and losers from that matrix. It sounds so simple. It just sounds so simple to be able to say, you know, like how easy is it to be able to say, listen, I know what I know and I know what I don't know and, you know, and I also don't know what I don't know. So, you know, help me, tell me, what am I missing? I mean, how hard is it? And the answer is actually very hard. And that's why most companies don't make it. So Yeah, I 100%. I agree 100%. You know, it's kind of like with what I'm doing now with the life coaching and motivational speaking. Um, My job is not to know how to make people change. It's to remain empty and open and listen and help them realize that they already know how to change themselves and help them come up with a path to do that. But if you stay closed minded, then you can't accomplish any of that. There are so many people out there that think they know everything. And, you know, that's totally contrary to the reality that nobody knows everything and everybody can learn and everybody can get better on a daily basis. So I just put the uh, Zoom link um, down in the chat for any of you that are in the room. Uh, Starting next week, if your preferred 
mechanism is Zoom. Although, uh, Praxim, you said that you couldn't hear any any sound in Zoom today. I could hear you, Joseph, but I spoke over Chris because I wasn't hearing Chris. Oh, you so could... I jumped back over to Discord. Interesting. So you couldn't hear Chris. Um, Correct. And that kind of... I suppose that kind of makes sense because everything's going through the roadcaster. Well, that was a good troubleshoot. So what that's really telling me is that the people that are in Zoom actually shouldn't um well, it's not telling me anything. It's just telling me that 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 ultimately the Zoom uh connection will work for me but not for people on stage. So that's good to tell people that are eventually listening in Zoom that you aren't going to hear people on stage, but the first 45 minutes is always me. Um Except obviously on our no agenda Fridays, but that's that's good to know. Thank you, um, Praxim. What what's on your mind? Do you want to add anything to the conversation? I, I, I like what Chris summarized is <clears throat> change, and when people are ready for it, is uh, definitely a mindset of its own. And the, entering that mindset at an individual level or at a business level means you're ready to consciously address deficiencies. And uh, the deficiency I observed this week in a business was <clears throat> they claimed to have a price match and then said, well, we actually don't price match. And I walked out the door and I'm like thinking, you know, this business, while you know, they may have a policy not to price match. They could have offered me a discount and kept me as a customer. Now I have a bad taste in my mouth. So I think businesses like this that, you know, to survive, you have to know your customer, uh, be in your own mindset as a, a business and the business owner and individuals, and then also your customer's mindset. So it's it's a complex uh, interplay. I actually... Uh... I'm doing a pre-record today with uh, Scott McCain, who uh Hall of Fame speaker, um, just an amazing, amazing guy, one of the best in the business. Yesterday, I actually had Jay Bear, had a wonderful conversation. We actually, I invented a phrase for him, for his new book, um, which is called Time Rage. Not road rage, not plane rage, but time rage. That, I mean, the whole book is about the fact, you know, it's about being about response and responsiveness and moving quicker and how short-tempered we are and impatient we are and our expectations as customers. Um, so I was like, you're welcome, buddy. That's a, that's a winner, time rate. He said that's the name of a book. I said, damn right it is. Um, but, but yeah, time rage. Don't waste my time. My time is valuable. I'm not... Now, now, what Scott McCain and I are going to discuss today, from what I understand from his new book, is almost this idea, and if this is not what he intended, this is what I'm going to bring up, which is, it's a very interesting concept, right? We know that on any given day, at any given company, you can call the call center or go into the store or the shop or whatever, the outlet, um, or front desk or whatever at a hotel. And some days, waiter in a restaurant, some days you're going to get this enigma, this incredible personality, this just amazing server or, or person on the other end. 
funny, gregarious, um, empathetic, whatever. And then the very next time you're going to actually end up with an absolute toad. Someone who's short-tempered and bitter and, you know, and just having the worst possible day or, or maybe just deciding that they just don't love people much and you wonder why are you working in this job when you hate people or you hate your job or you hate yourself. And, and I think Scott's point is, which is a real interesting flip, is you, the person, you, the person in that role, don't rely on your company and your company values and, you know, and don't, don't you, you take the initiative. Don't put it on them or whether you put on them or not. This is your job. This is your pride. This is your, you know, this is, this is your mental health. You go out there and be the best possible person that you can be. You serve people exceptionally. If the others don't, that's their problem. And to a degree, the company's problem. But you lead the way. I really love that idea. If that's what he means in the book. Um, and, if, and even if he doesn't, that's what I mean. <laughs> so that's a different way to think about it, Praxim, which is, which is this idea of um, whether it was their policy or not, A, you know, is that employee empowered enough to make that decision? B, if they're not empowered, are they prepared to take the initiative? And C, are they prepared to beg for forgiveness as opposed to ask for permission? Are they prepared to, you know, for, to... Um, take the consequences, which, by the way, don't have to be bad. They could be exceptionally good. Yeah, they could be fired or let go for actually going against policy and price matching, but they could also be rewarded and promoted. What do you think about that? I agree. Uh, This particular, like, it was almost indifference in the person I interacted with. Because they deferred to the authority above them. Well, my boss says, right? And so, but, you know, we all know that training could have said that, you know, people are going to come in and price match. It happens. Sometimes we can't do it. Let's not lose the customer over a couple dollars because we want the lifetime value of the customer, not the transactional value of the customer. Right? Because you, mat- you don't price match the transactional value. You, you, you price match an item. And uh, this is the the thing is you you summarize it very well. Like, if, if these stores want to stay in business as bricks and mortars, they know that some people are indifferent to price. You know, they have a price elasticity, and they'll they'll you know buy it at a higher price. But in this case, the difference was egregious, and they didn't have any movement. So, how do you make how do you make that experience better so that uh, retailers around for 10 more years, you empower them. Like you said, even if their boss says, you know, you know, you, my, my observation was the, the, the egregious price difference was about 50%. Well, what if they're empowered to give a 10% or 20% discount, right? Right in the spot. Well, look, I mean, you know, in, in that moment, Let's just take a different perspective now for a second and just talk about policy. Sometimes policy is policy, you know, but, but of course there's a whole additional, you know, um, 
area to explore, which is which is the relationship between price and value. And how much of it is rational versus irrational. And it's just as simple as that. You know, what I've always said to companies is there's real opportunity for companies on the lower end of the pricing spectrum to actually deliver exceptional, exceptional customer service and customer experience. There's this perception, and it is the wrong perception, that you get better customer service when you are at a better restaurant or better hotel or better outlet. I mean, it doesn't have to be that way, is what I'm trying to say. It doesn't have to be that way. It can absolutely, you know, and, and, and the thing is, look, yeah, you're not going to have as deep and uh, coffers in terms of training and development, but your culture can be so strong that, you, you know, your attitude of the people you hire can be, you know, it can be your secret weapon. And, and, and yeah, I, I, I go back to one of the greatest case studies that's got nothing to do with service, but double trees, you know, chocolate chip cookies. Small things make a big difference. And so I, I say that actually, you know, if you are on the middle to lower end of the spectrum, you actually don't have to do as much in order to make a much bigger impact because people don't expect it. They don't expect, you know, last night we went out for dinner and my sister-in-law ordered a cocktail and she really didn't like it. In South Africa, it's just too bad. I said, watch this. We were at a nice restaurant and I, and I, I called the waitress. I said, we've got a little bit of a problem. And she was like, what? And I said, she really doesn't like this drink. It's just, it's just too weird for her. And she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Can I get you another one? And uh, I could see the confusion in my sister-in-law's face. Thinking like, I don't, I don't want to pay for two drinks. I'm like, no, they're not going to charge you for it. And she was like blown away. Now, I said to her, this is the US. U- US is different. For the most part, that's exactly how something would be handled. But there's no question that in the better the restaurant, the more likely they are, no questions asked, to just replace your drink. But again, it doesn't have to be that way. You can be in Bar Taco, which is not to say it's low end, but I mean, you know, you don't like the drink, we'll make you another one. The thing as well that we also realize, um, Praxim, is that we can, you know, we, we've discussed two things. You've discussed, right, like, or we've discussed the idea of time, our perceptions of time, our expectations with time. But we also kind of can do the math. We kind of can work out what a margarita costs. We're pretty sure that it costs less than $15 to make. How much do you think a margarita costs to make in a restaurant, Praxim or, or Chris? I think, I think I can't hear you anymore. Maybe everything just went crazy. Let me quickly go out of Discord and back in. You can hear me in, in, in Clubhouse? 
I'm just going to go out of Discord and back in. If you can hear me in Clubhouse, just give me a little emoji. <clears throat> Not seeing anything. Ah, good, good, good. Oh, hello, Augustine. I met you while I was hanging out with you yesterday. Your staff. Oh, wait. Okay. Like, it's I, easy to I can hear you disempower again. them or, you know, remove capabilities from them, but it's really hard to empower them once they feel disenfranchised or dis- disempowered. Hold on. A little bit of a, uh, a whoopsie here. Uh, Praxim? Yeah. I'm back. Oh, go ahead. I'm back. I couldn't hear you. Uh, couldn't hear you at all. Oh, sorry. No, no, it's fine. Um, where, where did we, where did we lose each other? I was, I, I was, I was asking the question about how much does it actually take to make a margarita? Do you think? Oh, uh, I never heard that. Chris, did you hear that? Not at all. Okay, so, 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 what I was saying is, we have expectations of time. Um, we have, but we also have expectations of cost. And 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 I was really just talking in, in, about the whole idea of. When you go to a restaurant, you order a cocktail, you don't like the cocktail, you call the waiter or the waitress over and you say, I, I really don't like this. It's just not what I thought it would be. They go, no worries at all. Um, let, let me get you another one. They clearly don't charge you for the first one. Or they say, well, we're so sorry, we can't exchange or we'll have to charge you you know, for both. And, and, and my point is we have expectations, we, but we're also smart. We understand you know, they're charging us 15 or $18 for that cocktail. We know how much it costs for the most part. How much does it cost? What, $3, if that? If that? I think your goal in any business is to obtain 40% profit. So you want to charge whatever your overhead is, whatever your labor costs, all of those things, and achieve a 40% profit. So my estimation would be, yeah, that, that cocktail probably cost them 2 or $3, and then labor cost and whatever to make it. And, and remember, you know, one of the most important things, as we often talk about, is, you know, lose, lose the battle to win the war. You lose the round, uh, but you win on points. You live to fight another day. You know, so today, I mean, today we've discussed a whole variety of thoughts, right? Talking about even from the entrepreneurial, you know, conversation at the beginning to realize like you, where your deficiencies are. You know, they all have the same common thread, which is the ability to stop, pause, lift your head, you know, zoom out, take a deep breath. Just get perspective, you know, and perspective comes from introspective, right? From introspecting, from talking to others, from getting feedback, from pausing, from so many things that just allow us to be able to say, you know, we use this, um, we use this uh, analogy when I, at EOS, when we're training what we call the five leadership abilities, um, one of the leadership abilities is called predict. And there's short-term and long-term prediction. But part of the, the idea of the, the long-term prediction is um, the analogy of, I think I used it earlier this week with you with in, in the Collective Cafe. You're, you're um, you know, a bunch of loggers are creating a, you know, a pathway. They're 
building a road through an Amazonian type of forest, let's just say, um, occasionally, and they're great at what they do and they're super efficient, they're cutting the trees down and, you know, and but occasionally they got a, a couple of loggers have got to scale the tree, you know, climb up to the top of the tree so that they can look out across the horizon and get a sense, look backwards, look to the left, look to the right, and just get a sense, just a little gut check, a little reminder saying, are we on track? You know, are we actually going in a straight line? What's coming up along, you know, you know uh, m- maybe we're going to hit a dead end or whatever the case may be. I won't, you know, butcher the, the metaphor uh, beyond that. But the point is, when you actually have the insight and the foresight to be able to recognize a bigger picture, it can only help you. It can only help you. And oftentimes that comes from absolutely from wisdom and experience, you know, in the school of hard knocks. But but even without it and even with it, you still need to supplement it with with a team, with feedback, with a how am I doing? You know, I actually created a little bumper sticker, um, you know, fake bumper sticker for the book for Forever Changed. And it says, how am I living? You know, like on the back of a bus or the back of a truck. Instead of how am I driving, how am I living? Or how am I changing? You know, call this number. Sometimes we actually need somebody to call it in and say, hey, buddy, on track, off track, or love what you're doing. Love who you're becoming. Any tips for me? Anyway, back over to you, uh, Chris Praxim. Uh, we've got Augustine on stage as well. Open mic today. Yeah, I uh, I agree with what you said 100%. I mean, it's we don't look at the big picture enough. Um, my father told me a long time ago when I first got into the management role, said, always think it's making $100 now off a person more important than making a dollar a day off of them for the rest of your life. And that's the big picture. Uh, the company that I'm involved with now is dealing with something. We had a builder who there were some mistakes made on both sides and some townhome production. And we are taking the repairs on ourselves. And right now it looks like it's going to cost us around $200,000 to make the repairs. But this same builder that I'm talking about, our annual revenue from them is right around $4 million a year. So what are you going to do? Are you going to try to fight the fact that you got to spend $200,000 now and maybe jeopardize the $4 million revenue yearly? No, I mean, that's ludicrous. You take the $200,000 in the butt and you keep moving. Yeah, I mean, I I tell you, I, I think of... Um my Substack at the moment, I've got nine paid subscribers. Um, uh, it's like, you know, I'm so proud. I'm proud. It says all subscribers, fourteen ninety nine, nine paid subscribers. And I think to myself, wow, nine people have in, are investing in me $8 a month. And it means a lot to me. That's $72. It's coming up on almost $900 or whatever the, the math is um, for the year. And I think to myself, can you imagine if 90 people were paid subscribers? Can you imagine if 900 were paid subscribers? 
Imagine if 9,000 people subscribe to me for $8 a month. That might be, that could become my primary business. It sounds so simple, but yeah, but eight dollars a two month. Two topics there that that um, subscription model, eight dollars or free, and then you you get advertisers is very powerful, Joseph. I didn't like, even know that there are advertisers, but but I tell you the Substack model. Well, maybe not on Substack, but I love it. like I'm I'm thinking more the generic. Uh, you know, you subscribe to a mailing list for marketing or whatever, and they've got ten thousand subscribers, right? And then they insert ads about your favorite thing, right? So they earn money on the back end, even if the list mailing list is free. Yeah, and, and this is Augustine. Uh, I mean, I've been listening to all uh, the topics here, and the first one that I see here overall is deli- delivering superior customer value. To me, that is the number one thing because you keep them reoccurring. Now, when you look at the subscription model, uh, that's a win-win-win type of scenario because it's a long-term. However, you could always have the monthly subscription rate or you could do an annual rate, uh, giving them a discount. However, the monthly one is good due to the fact that not only you're continuing to provide, you're continuing to forecast your revenue that's going to be coming in. And I, I love to add revenue. That is the best piece of one providing additional based on habits of the individuals and then therefore the other feedback where you go out to the vendors and you get a per click or per referral type of business out there. So that piece is adding value to what you offer us. And then Jaffe, I go back to the beginning when you were making reference, you know, when you go to a restaurant or you go out of your way and you empower your employees, if that's the business model, to have a lead way. Um, you know, one of the companies that I have worked with before, they have a subscription survey type model. Individuals will come up and say, oh, my survey, I didn't qualify. There's terms and conditions. But then you look at the uh, long time value of how long they've been working or taking surveys. How much money did we make by providing that survey to that individual and how much did the company make? Uh, When you look at that, you'll go ahead and say, okay, uh, you were kicked out of the survey, X, Y, Z reason. Sometimes we don't have control because it's offered by someone else. You empower the individual to say, okay, because of your time, we're going to actually give you X, Y, Z amount. You keep them engaged. You keep them happy. And it's, you don't want it to become something that is a reoccurring, but the customer has a different perception of how the business thinks. About it. And then from that perspective, they'll stay more in touch and in tune throughout the process. You know, I mean, it's, it's, um, I said this the other day, right? Marketing is common sense, but how many of us have common sense? Um, Business is common sense, but how many of us have business sense? There's something something in simplicity, in the power of simplicity, that always can lead us to where we need to get to. 
whether these are just basic tenement tenants of building trust, of building relationship, of um, reciprocity. Um, of course, you you want a great product and need a great product. But you know, in in, in one of these uh, sessions I had this week uh, with with the EOS, <clears throat> I you know you know I sit down and I and I and I. I ask business, a lot of business owners that I talk to, like about their three uniques, the three strongest points of differentiation. And, you know, in many respects, and and more often than not, they don't really even know. They don't even know what they do really, really well. And if you want to make it a little bit more challenging, you can actually say to them, I want to know the three things your three superpowers, the three things that you do better, maybe even best, better than any of your competitors. And then you can give them a little bit of a lifeline and say, look, your competitors can share one of these strengths or superpowers or uniques. Maybe they can even share two, but they can't share three because guess what? When they share their three, when they share all three of your uniques, guess what? They're not so unique, are they? Um, and just think about that simplicity for a moment. Just think about three things that you do that nobody else can do, certainly as well as you. I mean, so we can say maybe you do something that no one does. Well, then that's truly unique. Right when someone says you know customer service or customer obsession, everyone delivers customer service, but in this case, you delivered like nobody else. You know, I can say one of the three uniques. Okay, I'll try it for a second. I'll try it. Let me just be there. Let me be my own guinea pig here. My new book, Forever Changed. Certainly, one of the uniques in the book is going to be the fact that this book. I don't know of a single book that has actually been written on and about the pandemic from a self-help, a motivational uh, standpoint. Not, not, not from the perspective of a doctor. Not from a you know ethno, you know, uh, you know, or um, what do you call it, an anthropologist. Or I'm just talking about loving what you do and you know, and, and being miserable in your job and perspectives and priorities and living each day like it's your only day. So that's a unique, I think. Um, you know, and if there are a thousand other books, it's going to be less, it's going to be harder for me to break through or, or, or rise up, you know, above. Um, but I think that for the most part, that's an interesting one. Without question, you know, the first book in the world where readers get royalties. I mean, that's just unique in of itself. Even the execution doesn't have to be great. At this point, I might just be managing it through a spreadsheet. And I'm fine with that. I was hoping, and I still am, to have NFTs that are bought and possibly traded. I don't know. But it may just come down to as to, you know what, send me 50 bucks via Stripe and you now own one thousandth of a 10% royalty pool. 
and you will see your name on a spreadsheet on a Google Doc. It will be public. It will be read-only. And every single time a check comes in from Amazon, I will scan the check and you'll be able to do the math yourself. And that's unique too. That's unique number two. Is there a third unique associated with the book? Possibly. Um, It might be the way that I created the book. So there might be an interesting story behind that, which is, hey, listen, I'm not, the subject matter is cool and all. You know, great hearing your story, Joe, and, you know, I love the formula. But I'm just really interested in terms of how you actually created this book. So you actually dictated the whole book. It was actually like in a way you spoke the book first and then you went and transcribed it through otter.ai and then you cleaned up the transcription and edited the transcription and then, well, that's kind of interesting. And then how did you actually edit it? You actually, uh, again, spoke the whole book in Clubhouse because that's what we did here. And by speaking the book, I was able to find all the the gremlins, etc. And now I'm self-publishing. People might just be like, is this a new way to write books? Is, this a, is there a publishing story here? An, a pu- an, innovation, uh, an innovative publishing story? Yes, there is. Then, of course, there's the fractional ownership Web3 component. And then there's the subject matter. And all, you know, in all of that, you know, if you look at it almost like I am, you know, the three kind of petals or the Venn diagram, in the middle is me. And not just my story and not just kind of my own thought leadership and vision, but also the fact that the first Tuesday um, of every month, we're going to call it Forever Change Tuesdays. An opportunity in Discord for people to come in and share their forever story, their forever change story, their pandemic story. And so we will continue to build community around this as well. So is that a fourth unique? Perhaps. Does it replace one of the others? Maybe. But that's just a different way. And so now, let me you know take that one step further. My competitors out there. Well, I mean, in this case, I don't know that I'm... Comp- I mean, part of the whole message of Forever Change is I don't have competitors. Not because I think I'm the only one, but because this is more about collaboration. But if the objective is to sell copies of the book or to get on people's radar, to have people talking about it, um, I'm certainly, I'm certain no one else is talking about readers getting royalties. Um, innovative publishing, probably not many people talking about it at all. Community element, probably not as compelling. Could probably move those into, you know, but the subject matter, I think the subject matter is super relevant. So it's just a different way to think about it. We are ultimately all of us. Everyone here in Clubhouse today on Discord, in Zoom, in our capacity as individuals, members of a tribe from a social standpoint, businesses, brands, we're all just trying to find our place in the world. We're all just trying to, you know, find our happy place. This whole week is about, I mean, the book is also about happiness too. Our happy place is a place where we are, fu- where, where we are fulfilled. Um, our happy place is a place where we have enough. And we don't covet that which we, you know, going back to the, the idea of the rat race. 
we're sacrificing and miserable today for the promise of something better tomorrow, which never ever uh, arrives or comes. I don't know, Augustine, did you come off mute? Uh, yeah, I mean, while you were you know, explaining the process, a lot of things rushed through my mind. And um, uh, one of the things that I kept on resonating was the fact of uh, this phrase I heard a long time ago, what's in it for me? Um, like you're trying to say, what's there, some of the unique things that you could do um, out there? Uh, we all have different scenarios. It might be a personal satisfaction, it might be a revenue target, but in the process of making the process unique for others, you tend to give them something in addition. I remember in my early years when I used to travel to implement software, I not only implemented the product, but I did try to understand what the business needs were of the individuals that I was working with in addition to just implementing the product because my job at the time was just implement the product. But no, I took the extra time to see how we could integrate it and came up with additional solutions and ideas, uh, which takes me to a book I read a long time ago that my dad gave me. I think it was the, the Real Heroes of Business and Not a CEO Amongst Them. And it's how individuals in their common jobs in what they did, they were able to add value or value added to whatever action they did. Uh, the one that resonates right now was a doorman in New York City. But that person's actions and what he shared with others made his job and what he did unique. And then I think many times when we go back to a certain restaurant, it's because how comfortable we feel there. Let it be a high-end or let it be a taco place in Mexico City where I walked in and the individual who had met me six months before gave me four tacos al pastor uh, with the green sauce and the pineapple because he knew I always started with four. That type of level of delivering superior customer value adds to your product, adds to your service and to your bottom line. So at the end of the day, it's a two-way street. What can I offer? But in the process, what's in it for me as well? Uh, that's where I try to look for that unique pattern. And one thing you mentioned, you said three, but then you came up with a four. You can have a five, you can have a six, because you keep on reinventing yourself uh, in moving forward, which uh, it's something that is unique in how we position our products and services. Our economy, our customer segments, everything is changing. It's evolving. Um, and, of course, uh, with new technology out there and how you present things, people are really eager to understand and learn. Yeah, 100%. And, uh, you know, there's, there's there little things, right, which is if you see the personal pride that a doorman takes – in their job, which, and, and again, going back to what, what I think Scott's going to be talking about is on the show today, um, I'll, I'll, if anyone wants to actually listen in on the recording, I'm going to give that to you now. So um, you can actually, not only can you listen in, watch actually, watch what the, the, the live recording, 
Um, but you can actually even comment and we might even just, you know, if you have a question for Scott or, um, or a comment, we might even just build you into the show. Um, so that's going to be at, at 1 p.m. today. And I'm just uh, going to place the link in Discord, uh, in our cafe chat, and also in Clubhouse. Um, but the point is, again, you know, that, that doorman, right, that doorman that takes personal pride in what he does. And we've all seen it, like New York City, you know, you have these, uh, a doorman, you know, at, at a, an apartment building, and they are just, they can be the highlight of your day if you live there. They remember your name. They're, you know, they're always asking about the family. Um, and, and you just think like, you think to yourself in many respects, I hope they're paying him a lot of money. I hope he gets a bonus uh, because he deserves it. And maybe or she, you know, maybe at the end of the, the year, you know, you give them a good tip. Um, but, and maybe they're doing it for the tip and maybe they're not. But when you go to like a hotel, for example, and you think, well, what makes this person so much better, superior than the two or three or four other people on different shifts at the same hotel or different doormen at different hotels? And, and, and on one level, absolutely, it is a corporate mandate or guidelines or, or maybe it's part of their unique custom experience. Maybe they're incentivized or maybe they just take personal pride. But, the, but, but from a customer standpoint, the immediate thing you think is, if this is how the doorman is, imagine how, they, how everyone else is. This is not a trickle down. This is a trickle up. This is a ground up. This is a grassroots. This is a bottom-up approach. I'm a firm believer, you know, to use the phrase, a chain a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. A community is only as strong as its weakest person or its most downtrodden or a person, as a person that is suffering the most. A company, I believe, is only as strong as its most junior employee. How about that? A company is only as strong as its not weakest, but maybe, you know, most junior member. The person in the mailroom, the person answering the phone, the person sweeping the floors, the person opening the doors. If you can get them right, you can do anything. Instead, of course, the whole flip is just completely backwards or inside out or, or broken, right? We're focusing on the CEO the C-suite, their big bonus. But it never really trickles down, does it? Maybe instead of, uh, you know, trying to think of titles for this, instead of, we call it, you know, trickle-down economics. This is is trickle-down or (laughs) trickle-up. This is trickle-down business. Some people don't believe trickle-down economics works. Maybe trickle-down business doesn't work either. What we've got to do is build this thing from the ground up. That's how we win. 
going back to Praxim's, you know, initial point of just even dealing with an impossible situation. Look, there's no way we can match. It's just not our policy or, you know, I don't have the ability to do, but what else can I do to help you? See, that's the interesting part here. What else can I do? I can't do this, but I can but what else can I do? Can I help you to your car? Can I can I come over to your house and assemble the TV? Like what else can I do? What else can we do that's going to allow you um to you know lose the battle but win the war? Praxim, over to you. Thanks. Uh <clears throat> you know what the I think the if funny here is we talk about losing this battle. <clears throat> It, it was only a loss because I didn't buy the the discount. Um, and, and some stores allow this, some don't. I, I just happen to have worked retail once upon a time. You some they sometimes show the cost structure to the uh, clerk. Sometimes they don't. But even if they don't, um, I, this is one of those places where it, some discount is already baked into all retail. We know it. We see it every day, right? We see that. Things can get discounted sometimes as a loss leader, but sometimes things get discounted because I'm thinking of the uh, hobby shops like Michael's or whatever that is that offer, um, like they perennially have coupons, right? So you know a discount's built into their business. And th- the question is, 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 it goes back to that book we read a few months ago, the Turn the Ship Around. Why wasn't why isn't this person to your trickle down comment? Why why isn't this person have that skill set? Right? What, what what was where's the empowerment that was missing for this individual clerk at a store to be able to do the right thing for the customer at the moment? Well, do do the right thing is almost like we should all have a tattoo of that phrase. Do the right thing. Um, it's hard. I mean, listen. As I said today, I've got uh, Scott McCain. Um, on the show, and he talks about five things with respect to, I think the book is called Delivering the Ultimate Custom Experience. Number one is don't make it right, get it right. Number two is make a great impression. Number three, serve with empathy. Number four is connect with emotion. And number five is take personal responsibility. And my soliloquy today in the show is called Personal Pride. Um, So I'm going to be pre-recording at one today if you want to listen in otherwise the episode itself will be available um in about six to eight weeks um just as a reminder we are we are off clubhouse starting from monday so we're going to be focusing on zoom building slowly but surely just zoom for those people that don't want to come in but discord.gg is the primary way of listening in um eight to nine monday through friday uh, hello to my friend Johnny, who's in uh, who's who's in the room, and uh, if you just want to get the podcast version of it, it's bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go, and um, and then I'm I've been you know I've been pretty good at being able to summarize um, these these uh, sessions in either a Substack or <clears throat> or LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm trying to not be too baity and switchy with with uh, Substack, meaning like I'll give you a certain amount of it for free and then paid subscribers will get maybe the 10 key takeaways. 
Um, but I'm playing around. Like maybe one day a week I'll do something completely free. One day a week I'll do something that's that's uh, gated uh, as well. Um, but there's a lot more. I'm very impressed with Substack. You know, I believe, just for what it's worth in the last two minutes, I think you can take this to the bank on this one because I've been right with everything else I've predicted. Um, that the future, first of all, I talk about community capitalism, but the the whole concept of fractional ownership and micro and micro ownership and micro payments, that to me is the future of business. The ability to share in the spoils with more people than ever before because it speaks to justice and purpose and diversity, equity, inclusion, and access. You know, and it speaks to community. It speaks to everything that actually says if we can, I mean, we've seen fan base. I don't know exactly the mechanism that they used, but where people are saying, I'm an investor, I put $500 micro investing, I love it. I love every form of fractional or micro anything at the moment because it all adds up. As I said to you, if somehow I end up with a thousand, can you imagine, as I said, do the math for a second, you know, um, a thousand, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the math for you just as we wind down. A thousand, I'm very bad with with math. A thousand people paying eight dollars a month times twelve months. That's a hundred thousand dollars, ninety six thousand dollars for a rinse and repeat. And the ask is eight dollars a month. You know that is now that's not a revolutionary model, right? That's just a you know, a subscription model. That's just a, you know, a subscription model with content. That's, there's nothing, you know, crazy about that. A thousand, you know, people sharing royalties of a book. That's crazy, you know. But ownership, that word ownership, that's a, a meaty word. We can carry it over next week and discuss this in the Collective Cafe. Because you can literally be an owner and then you can actually feel ownership. And what we are always trying to do in business, in life, is for people to feel and acquire the sense of ownership. I want my MTV. That's the essence of it. My. When we start saying my, our, us, we, that's when you know you're in a good place. And whether you want to call that and classify that <clears throat> as community and whether you want to uh, you know, bring in mechanisms, monetary mechanisms, whether they're incentivization or compensation or, or you know, fractional ownership, um, that's up to you. But when people feel a sense of ownership, you know, it's a question, an interesting question when I think and, and I, you know, I think, uh, you know, Praxim and Christopher and Bez who've been absolutely and, um, and you know, part of our regulars. We've got other regulars too. You know, do you feel a sense of ownership with respect to the Collective Cafe? Do you believe that you are part of this? Do you believe that, that do you, I mean, Praxim, you're on stage. Would you... Would you refer to the Collective Cafe as my Collective Cafe or would you refer to this as something we do? Would you, would you, would you consider yourself our? Are you a part of the inside or uh, inside looking out or outside looking in? 
Oh, that's easy. I'm inside looking out. That's what we're it, trying. Uh, that's what we're trying to build. It, yeah, uh, it's a you, you've definitely created a special special space that way. And then, if you can actually get it right once and create that proof of concept, then the goal becomes: now, how do you rinse and repeat? How do you clone? How do you duplicate? How do you create that same sense of of ownership of my, of us, of our, of we, and take that out? How do you create a sense of purpose and meaning? You know, in the wake of this void or vacuum that has been created, that has been vacated by Clubhouse, by their owners, by their founders, you know, in who don't, who are missing this key piece of the puzzle, this piece of empathy, what they're missing out is our, we. You know, what happened, what backfired is that all the creators, right, ended up kind of, as I said, and wrote about taking club, Clubhouse uh, um, hostage. But what they missed throughout this whole, whole three and a half years is that people actually felt that Clubhouse was theirs. And at that point, you are at a magic, you are at the proverbial fork in the road. And one direction is Shangri-La, Utopia, Nirvana, and the other one is <clears throat> purgatory, is essentially hell. But when people have that sense of ownership, that's 80% of the battle, 90% of the battle, 95% of the battle. When you feel that sense of, you know, possessiveness but more uh, but more this this case of saying i'm on the inside looking out versus the outside looking in most of our lives we are always battling to bring people from the outside inside and when we've got them inside the worst thing we can ever do is take them for granted ignore them neglect them or not value them enough and i will tell you even <clears throat> excuse me Going back to the most basic thing, even the concept, like not to make this a clubhouse thing, but even the, yes. the icons at the beginning, that was brilliant whether they stumbled into that or not because it was so simple, this essence of just being able to, you know, to share and say one of ours, our actual icon in the app store is one of ours, one of we, one of us. Anyway, I'm going to, it's a little over nine Bez, I'm gonna. I know you jumped up in Discord. Um, quick thought from you, and then we're gonna wind down our clubhouse run. And remember, everyone, if you want to join us on Monday through Friday, eight to nine Eastern, we're in Discord.gg forward slash Alpha Collective. The link is above. Uh, there's also that Zoom link that I put below that you can call into, and there's also a podcast you can subscribe to. I can't do any anything more than that. Um, so, Bez, what say you? Uh, just real quick, uh, good morning. I just want to say that um, these uh, coffees has actually inspired me to start my own, but it's only once a week. So if you don't see me here Monday, it's because I've started my own with um, four. Uh, it, it's like a men's only for Latino men. And uh, we know we're just seeing how, how it's going to work till the end of the year and figure out what we want to do from there. But, you know, we, 
it's uh you know it's just a time to get together up with each other share and you know sort of do um a little bit of um a masterminding so um this has sort of been a journey you know from when you and i were in another community then this journey over here uh that you started and i've really uh enjoyed it so um just wanted to share that and uh thank you for for the platform man i appreciate it i am i am very proud of you and i encourage i encourage everyone oh my god sorry uh, frog froggy froggy um i encourage everyone to do the same build your house build your platform build your you know build it on owned versus rented land um build your community and go do it i mean the goal of of these Fridays as well is to get people on stage and get comfortable, you know, to, to share. So I'm going to leave it at that. Um, we'll see some of you on, on Monday and, uh, you know, who knows if, if clubhouse figures a few things out, I'll come back as well because I do, you know, I'm happy to, you know, never say never. So anyway, have an amazing, uh, weekend, everyone. Um, and I'll see you all on Monday, not Bez, because he's doing his thing. Go follow him if you need to. If you are a, a, Lati- a Latino man, right, um, uh, and, and yeah, just go join Bez. Bez, feel free to promote it when you're ready, and I will, I will be only too happy to share it with you. With yeah, I think we're just going to keep it closed for now because we don't, we're trying to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so but uh after these after maybe the new year we will open it up but uh yeah we want to yeah do a rem- little control test <laughs> yeah rem- remember remember the key is always uh gonna come down to um you know as i said yesterday in a podcast where augustine was in this concept i call plodding with purpose that i wrote in forever changed plodding with purpose just keep moving keep moving forward uh, but have a mission, have a purpose. Whether you are the loggers, you know, building or constructing that road, you're always moving, you're always moving forward, but there's got to be a goal. You know, this is what we discussed actually in Thursday with Happier. Um, you got to love and live the journey, but you got to have a purpose and you got to have a goal. Um, I learned so much from doing this. Uh, I am smarter, better, stronger, um, from doing these sessions every single day. Um, it has like been a, a, like a life changer for me. It doesn't matter whether one person is, one person is in the audience or, or a million people in the audience. The fact is I'm growing every day, um, and hopefully you will too, Bez. So I'm going to end on that. Uh, we'll see you all maybe on Monday. Bye, everyone. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.